0: 43-47 through 47. All came upon everyone, because many wonders and signs were being done by the apostles. All who believed were together and had all things in common. They would sell their possessions and goods and distribute the proceeds to all, as any had need. Day by day, as they spent much time together in the temple, they broke bread at home and ate their food with glad and generous hearts praising God and having the goodwill of all the
1: people. And
0: day by day, the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. The word of the Lord.
1: Good morning, Highland. It's so good to see you, be with you today. Uh, My name is Shane Hughes. I'm one of the ministers here. And it is a delight, whether you're uh, a part of our church here in Abilene, or if you're somebody watching from uh, around the world that you've tuned in, uh, it is good to have you uh, with us. We're going through this series as Zane mentioned about kind of the the pathway here at Highland and this week we're focusing in on the table. And and we've used this this image of labyrinth to talk about our pathway. It's a, it's a journey that we take Together. Now, if you live local, you can actually go and find a pathway here in Abilene. There's one on, uh, by the lake over at ACU and, and practice good social distancing. But, but maybe this week, um, go out and walk that path. It's a journey that kind of takes you in circles and you, you feel like you're meandering a little bit and sometimes you take a 180 and you go back just the way you came, but you end up in a place that's different. And that's kind of a metaphor. It is a metaphor for our lives, of our our journey together and our walk with God. Here at Highland, we have kind of four steps that we engage in. We engage in worship and table. We remember and lean into our bathroom and then we pour baptism and we pour ourselves out at the cross. Not going to get past that very easily. But as we walk the labyrinth, we encounter things. And last week, I encouraged you uh, to uh, think about your neighborhood and this city as a labyrinth and to have eyes open to see what God is doing here. And, and we heard from uh, Brenda Stremmel this week, a member here at Highland, who, who turned her neighborhood into a labyrinth. And as she walked around those houses that she had passed hundreds of times in her car on foot, she saw and was awakened to the presence of God. Or Sarah Stone, who went to Abilene State Park to, to, to spy on a few birds, but instead she found God in her midst, in, the, in nature around her. The pathway is the way that we encounter God. It's the way that we as a church go together to find God. And it allows us to reflect on things and to grow deeper in our own spirituality and our own love for one another. And, and the, the reality is, is that we go through these Christian disciplines week after week and month after month. And it's, it's kind of like a labyrinth because you take this journey and you end up not more than 20 feet from where you started. But we are at a very different place even though our feet may not have moved at all. Will you pray with me, please? Father God, Lord of heaven and earth, we are grateful to be here and be with you today. And Father, even though we're, we're scattered and sheltered, Father, I pray that you unite us by your spirit. Gather us to your table Father, I pray that you fill me with your words, that I might speak your truth and love to these, your people. And that you might translate our hearts. Father, make us new, restore us again. And it's together that the church says, amen. It's it's a big way of how we define What it is to be a member here of Highland is how we engage in that pathway. But I want us to think today about the table and I I want us to begin by thinking of the table in kind of a, a narrow way and then a much broader way. You have probably experienced a lot of different tables in your life. When I was growing up, we had the same kitchen table from the earliest day that I can remember until the moment that I left from college. And this table has particular memories for me because it was when all six of us crowded around this thing. We ate together and we were almost able to eat together, you know, when I was young, almost every day. But eventually, my sister graduated and then my other sister graduated and then we were so busy with other things, we didn't eat very much at all. It was a table that brought us together, but it was also a very striking memory. And and for me, when I was about five years old, I was standing on a folding chair trying to reach something on that table and that that chair collapsed on me and I banged my head on the edge of that sharp table. And it was the first time I ever had to have stitches and I had six stitches right here. My eyebrow grew up over it, but it was really cool because my grandfather had a scar in that same place and it, it connected me to my grandfather. Or maybe it's the table that that you've been at where you met somebody that you didn't know but you kind of loved. I think one of my favorite things about going to a birthday party of someone I work with or one of my friends is that I meet somebody else that they know from their work or one of their friends. and, And we have this amazing connection together. A friend of a friend that becomes a friend to me. Or those tables where you are clearly the guest, you clearly do not belong. It's about this time every year when I was in college that parents would come in for graduation or to help their children pack up and I as a student would get to kind of tag along with their family as they went out to eat and I was, I was a guest of that family and I was, I was given food and I was given, for a brief moment, a place. It makes me think of the table that, that I will have one day. And and what I mean by that is we just came from um, San Jose, California, Santa Clara County, and, and their housing is very expensive. A cardboard box on the side of a 7-Eleven, you might be lucky if you get it for like 1.2 million, and that's a good deal. And, and so when we moved here, we got a bigger uh, space, and, and we need a, we, we're need We going to have a bigger table, and and part of that's because we're a, a bigger family now, and we want to be able to be the host to all of those college students that, that need that little bit of hospitality in their life as they're longing for home. And so I'm really looking forward forward to one day having that table where, where we can spread out and, and invite friends and then invite new spouses and invite all of us uh, as our kids grow older. I'm looking forward to that table one day. And there's a, a beautiful, subtle, mystic experience in our ordinary lives when Jesus shows up and a table becomes the table. And this takes us back to the the Lord's Supper. Jesus intentionally chose the the holiday of Passover to be the, the place where he inaugurates our experience of communion. And what we have to realize is that he's not creating something new here. He's taking a bunch of stories from the Old Testament, from the identity of what it means to be Jewish, and he's giving them new meaning and new life. The story of the Passover is the story of Moses in Egypt where God decides to bring his people out of captivity, bring them out of slavery and make them a people, give them land and give them places. And in the process, what he's going to do is show the world through Egypt and through Pharaoh exactly who he is. And so plague after plague and moment after moment and suffering after suffering, eventually God says there's one more thing. And there's this moment of Passover where, where the, the angel of death will go through Egypt and kill the firstborn son, but not Israel, not in Goshen. Because they're going to put the blood of the lamb over their doorposts and they're going to eat one last meal in Egypt. It's a meal that they have to be ready for. It's a meal that they can't even put leaven in the bread. They're going to have to eat flat bread because they have to be ready to go. This is the kind of meal that you eat standing up with your your car keys ready. And what Jesus does in that moment is he redefines one of the most pivotal moments in Israel because he takes that bread, which meant be ready for God's action, and he says, this is my body. And he breaks it. And then he takes that cup and says, this is my blood that's going to be poured out for you. Do this in remembrance of me. When I was a kid, my family would take trips to Indiana um, to visit my grandparents. And in my grandmother's church, they had a communion table that was, was the size of a small car. It was huge and it was heavy. It was designed to to sustain nuclear blasts, I believe that's how they engineered this thing. But in the front of that table there were carved out the letters do this in remembrance of me. And I as a little boy could stick my finger all the way in and trace those letters. It's a powerful memory of what table is. It's a powerful memory of what God has done in our lives. Our table, our communion experience is, is not just to remember something in the past that we didn't actually experience it, but also we remember an event that hasn't happened yet. It's what scholars call a proleptic event. We haven't experienced the Lord's Supper because we weren't there, but we remember what happened so much clearly so that we live into that. But we also remember another table, an eschatological banquet at the end of time when God welcomes all of his people into heaven and we will have a great banquet where we celebrate God's victory over sin and over death. And we remember both of those events, even though we haven't experienced them, a proleptic event of Remembering wasn't happened yet at all. It's the restoration of all things. When we come together around the table, we experience new hope. We remember how we are being made new despite all the mistakes that happened last week and all the errors that you made or all the times where you weren't quite just focused on what God is doing in your world and you miss the opportunity to do some good. In that moment when we take his body, and we take his blood, we are being made new. We are being restored. It gives us new insight and new love for one another. As, as Craig mentioned, this is a great time for family meals, if your family are gathered, because there's nothing else going on. And, and the best part of those meals is the, is the last 10 or 15 minutes when we've pushed our plates a little bit back and we just talk for a little bit. And you get to know your children a little better because you get to hear their hearts a little more clearly. The table gives us new insight into ourselves. It helps us understand who we are and why we act the way we do and, and what is God doing to shape and change us. And we reorient all of these things. It reorients us towards love. We saw this in Mark. Every time Jesus shows up at a table, it doesn't matter where he sits. Jesus becomes the host. He becomes the head of the table. And everyone who is there, the table is reoriented towards love. And we see that in the story of Acts 1 and Acts 2. Uh, And this is the beginning of the church. This is the beginning of who we are. And and the church begins by the empowerment of the Spirit. What we see in Acts 1 and Acts 2 is that the Spirit moves and then everybody else is just trying to follow. They're just trying to keep up. And there's these tongues of fire that appear over their heads and they can speak and everyone hears them in in a language that they understand. And, And this is what the church does. It's a people who are chasing, witnessing and participating in God's mission. Empowered by the Spirit as they engage the mission of God. Acts chapter 2 beginning in verse 43. We heard it just a moment ago. Ah, came upon everyone because many wonders and signs were being done by the apostles. All who believed were together and had all things in common. They would sell their possessions and goods and distribute the proceeds to all as any had need. And day and day. By day, they spent much time together in the temple. They broke bread at home. They ate their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having the goodwill of all the people. And day by day, the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. Out of awe, out of their experience of worship, they witnessed the outpouring of the Spirit and the power of the resurrection of which we are witnesses too, and they met together and they ate together and they shared what they had with each other, praising God. And day by day, people saw that and thought, that's the kind of people that I want to be with. Jesus says in John uh, chapter 13 that they will know you are my disciples by the way you love. And this is where table comes into play. There there is something that is beautifully and uncomfortably local about tables. I am all for if if you are are concerned and care about global issues and the world. Or if, if you love people. That's great. But it seems to me, at least in the book of Acts and in the life of Jesus, that Jesus is absolutely more concerned about the person that's sitting across from him at the table than he is about someone far away and far reaching. Now that doesn't mean that we shouldn't be engaged in global issues or or global action of of, of justice and mercy and and spreading the mission of God. But what we must remember is that the end point, at that point at the end of our reach, there must be a person who is loving somebody else in need over a table. Tables have the ability to make us love people that that we're uncomfortable with. The, the, par- the table forces us to see that God works locally, no bigger distance than from you and someone else. The table is local, and the table changes our lives. The table is going to grow and shape our church. One of the things I found that is true about about churches in general is that we get bigger by getting smaller. The way that we grow in in numbers and grow in depth, the way that we become more of an influence in the kingdom of God is by getting smaller and remembering that that life and discipleship happens in one-on-one conversations and in small groups and all of those short places of life being lived together. That's where we grow. We get bigger by getting smaller, but we also get deeper. When we take the time to live small lives, meal by meal, table by table, person by person, we see more clearly what God is doing in our world, and it, it changes us. There are all sorts of tables here at Highland that, um, that express this idea. There's all sorts of ways that, that Highland is engaging and getting to know one another and allowing ourselves to be changed. One of the clearest ways that this happens is our Highland Counseling Center. Um, and there we have trained professionals who are, who, are, who are skilled at listening and asking the questions that will help you grow and find out who you are and who God is creating you to be. It's a resource that's available for all of us, and, and especially now in times where things are a little different and a little uh, harder to, to, to figure out what's going on, that's a great resource for us to engage in. Uh, we use table as, as spiritual formation and outreach. Uh, there's no mistake that there are meals associated with, with Grace and Freedom Church. Both of those places share meals before they share word because something happens there at the table. Globally, this happens at the IMES. It's a, an institute that's trying to create conversations between Christians and, and Muslims and Jews. And, and they, they work with children and, and teens. And they, they begin with food, meeting at tables, getting to know one another. And then they <coughs> work towards the common good. It happens in our, our global partners uh, down in Brazil with uh, Criamento Limpo. And we have a video that we want to share. They've, they've taken a, a piece of property and they've, they've turned it into a garden and they've turned it into a cafe as a means of creating table space, a place to talk, a place to grow, a place to heal. Because a lot of the people that they're working with are people that are in recovery, who are trying to figure out who they are in light of God and, and how God is changing and healing them. We have a video we want to share with you about that. One
0: of our central values at Crescimento Limpo is not to simply work for those that we serve, but rather to work with them. We don't want to hold the position of the powerful giving to those in need. Instead, we intend to create a new, different circumstance where they have the power. They have what people want. And people come seeking out what our friends are offering, and with this purpose in mind, we created our café, which we call the cafela, to work with our house residents. So here we serve sandwiches, salads, juice, coffee, selling to our community. And the community comes looking for these dishes that our residents make. And that's really important towards the creation of a new identity, that I'm not just a homeless person in recovery and I'm not just someone in need of what others can give me, but rather I'm someone capable of offering what other people want. Today, during the coronavirus pandemic, Obviously, we had to close the cafela. We've closed our cafe to the public, and we are working really hard to be able to continue offering salaries and care for our workers, some of whom still live at the house, but most of which have moved on and are renting their own homes, leading their own families. We're working hard to ensure that they are not pushed back into homelessness, but rather to endure this time maintaining them so that we can start again on the other side, Supporting them to continue as professionals, as people of dignity. And this is one more reason why we need you now more than ever to stand with us.
1: And it is a joy to be a global partner as the Kaisers do their important work. I think the last expression of table that I want you to know about that happens here at Highland is our Restore Highland groups. Um, There are many different places around town and and I'm thrilled about how many different ways I've heard that they're creatively uh, gathering together so that they can talk with one another and whether that's over the internet or over cars parked distantly in in parking lots where they're talking to each other, all of the different ways that, that we are being intentional of how we get to know one another. Because sometimes seeing God in you helps me see God in me. And helps me see what God is doing in the world. We gather today for communion to to celebrate the Lord's Supper, but it's so much more than food, it's our lives that are being shared. All are welcome at the table of the Lord. And that's the beauty of Acts chapter 2 is that through the power of the Spirit allowing everyone to hear the gospel in their own language, it, it tells us that all are interested in being, God is interested in joining everyone together. Every tribe and every language, Jew and Greek, slave and free, male or female, rich or poor, Aggie or Longhorn, people who have their life together or people who are still a mess. Jesus welcomes them all as the host to his table. Think of this. At, at the Last Supper, Jesus knew that Judas had already began the work to betray him. Prior to the last meal that Jesus was going to have with his disciples, one of the last meals that he would have on earth Jesus knew that Judas had already gone to sell him out for thirty pieces of silver. And he still welcomed Judas to that very special moment. He knew Judas, when Judas walked in the door, that last meal that with friends and family, he knew when he washed Judas's feet, he knew that he was betrayed. And Judas was still welcomed to the table. There is something very powerful and redemptive when you are welcomed to God's table. You may be searching for who God is right now, and you just kind of stumbled into this live stream. You may be have walked this path for 50 years and you've been a part of this church forever. We want you to know that God welcomes you. And because God welcomes you to his table, we're thrilled that we get to be a part of your table. And we want to see what happens when we walk together. Learning and growing about God, toward God, and learning and growing about one another. Because we believe that the table has changed us. And it's going to change you too. We um, have created a website called Campbell Church webpage called campbellchurch.org slash pathway. And it's going to have some, some spiritual rhythms that we want you to engage this week. Uh, we, some ways that you can encounter God, put yourself in the posture where God can do something and move you. And, and if you have the courage to try this this week, we want you to give it a shot. And if, and if you do encounter God, I'd love for you to let me know. Send me a note or an email because I'd love to hear your experience with this. This week, we want you to look out. Part of being table is that everybody is welcome, whether you're rich or poor, as we said, or, or male or female, or old or young. I want you to reach out to someone this week, one person that's older than you and one that's younger than you, and just give them a call or a note or a text that you're thinking about them and that you care about them and see what happens. We want you to look out, but we also want you to look in. How is the concept of family broadened and matured as you follow Jesus? How does it look similar and different from the description found in Acts chapter 2? And and spend some time this week journaling or talking to somebody else about how you see yourself being, uh, your concepts growing and comparing to Acts chapter 2. We want you to look out. We want you to look up. But we also want you to hold up. Who do you need to be lifting up in prayer this week? Write their names on a note as a reminder to pray for them every day. And I suggest you put that on a sticky note and you, you put it in your car or where you brush your teeth or, or someplace where you're going to encounter it every day. Have those names listed. Who do you need to be lifting up in prayer this week? Allow them to experience the presence of God. Let's see what happens when we continue or begin or restart ourselves on that journey, the pathway where we find God. Pray with me, please. Heavenly Father, for the the great goodness that you've given us, we thank you. For all of the joy and the love and the peace that we experienced this week in the midst of fear and worry and pain, we give you praise. And Father, I pray that you bless the lives of the members of this church. This week, give them an extra special dose of your presence. Be real to them in a way that is undeniable. Allow them to see your face. Allow them to know your peace. Through Christ we pray. Amen. So may you this week be filled with the presence of God and know that he is for you and he is with you. He is behind you. He is before you and there is nothing that you can do that will separate you from is love so in that freedom love someone else care deeply for them and as you set the table know that the Lord is near and he is coming soon you can go to highlandchurch.org and find out more about our classes you should be getting an email that will give you links uh, in highlandchurch.org to tell you about our pathway. But this week, may you be filled with his presence. May you be in wonder of his glory. And may you go in peace.